Traditionally, you would have thought, oh, okay, government isn't normally associated with innovation. You know, why not? I think that is beginning to, to change and we're beginning to show that, you know, government can be a leader in this, in this um, field. The days of public sector trailing behind private sector innovation is to the most part gone, done more so in digital innovation. What people are beginning to now see is digital isn't a thing on its own. It's not a utility that just sits off there in the margins. It's something that can actually uh, really improve um, everything that you do on, on day to day. Hi, I'm Paul Miller, and this is Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices, and people impacting the new digital worlds where we work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking, and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. So I'm delighted to be sitting here with Ken Goodlad at Register House in a very beautiful part of Edinburgh in Scotland. And Ken kindly signed the marriage index when we arrived at the building, which was the, uh, the entry notebook on the reception. But Register House is really a, a place where all the marriages, birth, deaths, the kind of major events of, of Scottish citizenry are housed. And I, I don't quite know the history of the whole building, but it certainly goes back hundreds, if not longer, in time. And it's great to be here with you, Ken. And we're sitting looking out over a, a sort of slightly snowy Edinburgh, which I think is kind of very, very sort of relevant for the, uh, for the time of year. And, and Ken is, describes himself as a career civil servant with 14 years' experience delivering change inside and outside the walls of operational government. In his early years, he, he spent um, time in quite a lot of countries overseas, um, as his father had a major role in Unilever. And he studied in Edinburgh and really um, spent five years working on change initiatives on the domestic and European policy. And then he returned to the world of digital within Scottish Government four years ago to steer the introduction of new technologies supporting culture change to improve how Scottish Government communicates, engages and collaborates internally and with citizens in Scotland. And he currently leads the implementation of Scottish Government's workplace strategy that merges digital, physical and cultural worlds. So, delighted to be with you here today, Ken. Thank you, Paul. Good morning. Morning. And merges digital, physical and cultural worlds. That sounds like quite a, a, a daunting thing to take on. How, how do you approach something like that? I suppose I make it sound um, bigger and more uh, ambitious maybe than, than actually it actually is in practice. But basically the, the merging of uh, those three areas of work, I think, are kind of natural for any new workplace and the, the kind of the, the different components that a member of staff um, in government or anywhere actually experiences over the course of their working day. You know, we all know that every organization needs to uh, always be adapting to, to digital and, and kind of the changing environment around them. And if they don't, they're going to they're get left behind. And in government, that's, um, there's no different to, to anywhere else. So within government, there's been a, there's been a lot of change initi- initiatives underway in the last few years. 
we have a, a big kind of estates program where uh, we're looking at all the buildings and how best we can actually can actually use them within the buildings themselves. How we can actually make better use of our physical spaces. Um, we're talking about introducing um, much more kind of a project environment, uh, a much more kind of drop-in environment and ad hoc spaces for people to to meet and work. Um, on the digital side, I mean we're we're doing massive amounts of work on. Uh, improving the uh, our corporate systems and how people actually use technology in, in in their day-to-day and then like everything technology is only one part of it you know the physical space is only one part of it the the biggest change we we have underway at the minute uh, is encouraging people to be more digital um, so the culture of the organization needs to change and people's perceptions as well. That, that, that's great. And, and tell me, because you did an, an MSc at Edinburgh University, so what, what made you decide to join Scottish Government? I did, it was a BSc. Um, okay. I did a BSc in computer science at, um, at university. And I suppose it wasn't so much a choice to join government, I have to be careful how I word it. It was a, an opportunity that arose back in 2003. Uh, I did a, as I said, computer science degree at university. I took some time out after that, saw the world a little bit, and then saw a job advert for, at the time, a very, I suppose, a very specialist role as a as a business analyst within the IT department in in, in government. So I'd always been interested in technology, um, in computers from from kind of an early age. Um, I remember. Even as a, as a schoolboy, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, um, using my, my father's old I-286, I think, at the time, to play games on, you know. Our school had a, a BBS, a bulletin board system, if you, remember, if you remember those. And that interest stayed with me all the way through university and afterwards, and then hence was kind of my reason for, for, for joining um, the government and its IT department. A few years there, beginning to branch into applications development, um, you know, so the end-to-end process actually working um, with business areas to, to better understand their processes, but also to begin implementing small step changes um, and kind of testing that out with them and refining. Mm. So very much the early days of agile, agile development, I think. And, and from when you joined in the early 2000s to, to now, mm. what would you say the, the major change is in terms of the way technology is perceived in, in government? Because my sense is that... Um, it was perceived as a sort of utility when when you joined, and it is now really in a kind of fundamental position. But what's your experience been of that? Absolutely. I mean, back in the early 2000s, probably before that, digital, when people heard of digital, they thought IT. Um, and when they thought of IT, they thought about your computer on your desk, you know, and maybe maybe your, um, some of the, your Microsoft Word, say, of, of, of this world and, and how things hung together. There was none of this notion of how digital could um, kind of improve how people engage. The internet was very much in its infancy. Social media, I can't even remember if social media was around when, when I started. And what I did see over the course of um, the kind of the 12, 13 years, I suppose, I've been government is a, is, a, is a slow change away from it being a utility into something that people are beginning to realize has potential in everything that they do. I mean, the bread and butter of government working uh, is delivering public services um, or uh, developing policy. And what people are beginning to now see is digital isn't a thing on its own. It's not a utility that just sits off there in the, in the margins. It's something that can actually really improve everything that you do on day to day. 
Uh, and that can be internal. So a lot of the work that we've done recently around uh, completely reimagining the, the intranet and the move to the digital workplace is actually providing a, a central repository of uh, information that's very, very easy to find. So it's saving people a lot of time day to day on simple things like how to book a meeting room or, or, or what is the annual leave policy of, um, of government. And then we're really beginning to see its value um, externally as well. So Scottish Government moved all its consultations online a few years ago. The amount of engagement that's, uh, that's come through that has, has, has gone up massively. Um, and the, the, kind of the perception of the public on, on the value of actually participating in consultation and government consultation now is beginning to be, to be realised. So it's moved from that utility sitting in the, in the periphery to something that is actually embedded in the work of, of uh, everything that we do. Right. And, and how would you sort of describe your role? Is it predominantly uh, internal to do with the employees and the contractors in Scottish Government and, and to what extent is it uh, also external? I suppose most of my role of late has been looking at the internal side, so the, the digital workplace beginning to um, go on the journey from our intranet into creating what the, um, the future workplace holds for, for the government. But then that also crosses over into the external sides as well, you know, um, a lot of what we're doing in communications is, is on how digital can actually uh, improve engagement with public and, and stakeholders. So a lot of the work that we're doing to really is more around the behaviour change of the organisation and the support and encouragement that we're giving civil servants to have the confidence and to be more comfortable in communicating online. This notion of working out loud, you know, it's letting them know that it's okay to be... Um, on social media getting some uh, advice from from stakeholders or going out posting a question on uh, one of our kind of consultation platforms saying here's an idea that government has Um, we really want to hear um, your your answers and that's where where digital I think has massive benefit for um, for the public sector to actually be a platform for engaging with with a massive audience. Could you give me an example um, of how that's worked well for you because obviously traditionally you know government everywhere was a very closed entity um, not sort of deliberately secretive but the technology and the um, ways of working sort of didn't really lend itself towards more openness but but how's that happened for you now? There were a couple of um, I suppose Big campaigns or, or discussions or conversations we ran in government a couple of years ago. The Healthier um, Scotland and Fairer Scotland campaigns that were, were digital first. Um, and what was great to see amongst that is the whole organisation. So many different components come together to, de- to deliver policy. Um, and actually being able to see um, in practice how policy officials who may not have been as digital you know, capable, given a little bit of advice and support, how they actually saw the benefits of using a digital medium and actually using a discussion forum, using blogs to best effect, going out and social reporting, you know, so there would be events all around the country uh, led by ministers, but there'd be live social reporting done on site. There would then be kind of a storify made in the back of that. And that really started to engage the the populace and the, the kind of the amount of engagement we got got um, through that was 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 massive compared to maybe if we'd done it without any of the um, the kind of the newer technology. You know, it's 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 clear what the kind of benefits are, but you know, we, we record this at a time when there's an awful lot of 
let's say, problems happening with social media and, and some of the um, you know, corrosive sides of that, how have you um, kind of been able to kind of navigate that world? Because it, it, it's tricky. It's not a uh, persistently adult-to-adult adult or, you know, mature conversation that's happening online. It's a whole, it's a whole smorgasbord. It, uh, it is tricky, and I think um, that's why it's taken a long time for civil servants in Scotland to begin to use that as a, as a platform for, for engagement. We did, we did a lot of work um, in the early days of digital communications where we carried out a lot of insights to find out, okay, you know, social media has been around for a long time. People use it um, regularly in their personal life. What is it that's stopping them having that transposing into, the, into their work life? And it really was one of worry or concern that it was so easy to post something on social media but very, very hard to then come away from that. You know, social media is a very reactive, a very immediate, immediate platform. And especially for government, having that risk is something that a lot of people were not, were not comfortable, um, comfortable in doing. So the way that we've tried to address that um, is very clear guidance on, um, on social media. I mean, you know, you, you have to strike a balance because you don't want to scare people off, but um, the kind of, you know, a little bit of guidance for staff around just things to be aware of when, when you're on social media. And also we run um, our, our learning and support program, I suppose training and development program. One of the aspects of that is something we've called Digital Friends. Um, Digital Friends is a, is a reverse mentoring program where we pair um, senior civil servants with tends to be graduates or modern apprentices who have grown up um, with their phones, who've grown up with technology, and they, they can help um, colleagues on a kind of a one-to-one basis to uh, understand the benefits of social media, but at the same time, some of the, the things to be, to be aware of. And, and I think kind of gentle encouragement, particularly maybe things like looking to use internal social media, such as Yammer, um, to begin with, to, to get... Uh, a bit more comfortable in, in, in how best to form form posts and, and uh, before then unleashing them in the, the outside world. Mm. And how have the how's your um, ambassador friends program, the mentoring side worked? Because I, I, you know I've certainly seen that in the corporate world work really quite successfully. Um, what's your experience been here? It's, it's worked great. We've, we've uh, completed about a hundred pairings as of. Um, just a few months ago, November, December, and that's over the course of uh, maybe a year and a half, uh, two years. And, and the way it works um, is whenever... Scottish Government has quite a big um, kind of tele- talent development um, programmes. We, we have a graduate scheme, um, we've got the Fast Stream, um, we also have the Modern Apprentices come in, and we have uh, weaved in Digital Friends programme into that. So anyone who's on one of those um, three programmes has the opportunity to be... Uh, what we call a digital friend, a digital mentor. And then on the kind of converse side of that, we also uh, have a lot of conversations with uh, deputy director and above levels um, about what are the things that they want to get from, from being more digital. What, what are the things that they feel they're maybe missing out on? Um, how can we help them become digital leaders in, in their own field? And we use a, a pairing process for that. And then all that we ask is that there is at least, I think there's two meetups during the course of the, um, the cohort uh, period, which is about three months. And it's very much, very fluid. We don't dictate what it is we want uh, either side to, to do. 
And we find that that informal approach is working really, really well, and both sides get something out of it. The longer-standing civil servant gets uh, someone who gets digital and can really help them with with a a specific specific goal. And then on the the other side, you get um, someone who's quite new into the organization um, getting access to someone who's who's quite senior um, to do a little bit of uh, mentoring on that side as well and kind of uh, help them develop their their own career. So what's a typical sort of combination and how do you pair people up? There's a, um, there is a matching process, um, so I think it's done through, um, it would be a, a simple uh, kind of survey type process. What, what are the things you want to get out of it versus, what, uh, well, I think actually you ask the same question on both sides, don't you? And then through a, a process of sitting down around the table, I imagine, I, don't, I, I wouldn't expect it to be very, very clever. I think it's just sitting down and going, these two people would look like they match. Uh, we set up that first conversation and away it goes. Yes. No, it's, it's, it sounds, um, you know, and as I say, I've seen it work excellently. And it's a fantastic way, isn't it, of just releasing a resource that's already there and intelligence that's already there inside the organization, you know, at, at, at both a senior level and, a, you know, at a more junior level. Mm. Um, and there's, it's really just releasing untapped capability. It is, and it's, it's a great way for an organization to begin to develop their own digital talent at very little cost you know so do you mean that the, the older if i I'm, i don't want to get into stereotypes but let's let's say the older less digital or the younger more digital or both of them i think both i also what we found is uh, even after we've run four cohorts um and even after the first one what we found is okay it's worked uh, as pairing a someone new to the organization with a senior member of staff. But then we, were, we asked ourselves the question, why, why are we focusing on, on just senior colleagues? Uh, so we opened it up across the board. And now what we find, we have pairings happening at all levels of government. And those people who initially were a mentee are now themselves putting their hands up as a mentor. Right. So you're, so you're finding the cohort growing organically, and now they are beginning to help their colleagues um, in other aspects of digital as well. So it, it kind of, you plant the seed uh, mm. of digital, and then uh, what you hope, I mean, we never expected it to be um, quite the success it is, yeah. but you hope that that then evolves um, organically. Well, it's in a, in, in a completely un, unrelated metaphor, it's, it's like the reformed smokers, who then become your biggest evangelists? So, so the largest, com, you know, the convertees um, become the great. Um, so, I've got to ask you, since you're talking about senior people inside Scottish government and being mentoring, did Nicola Sturgeon, the first minister, have a, 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 a somebody? Kind of as a digital friend for her. We we stopped. Or, at, uh, or did she need it? We stopped. I I wouldn't know. We uh, we stopped at uh, director general level. So we stayed very much within civil service. Permanent secretary had a digital friend for a number of months, um, and each of the director generals did as well to really start off at the the senior level to show that there is that appetite to uh, always be developing digital talent mm. and. The reason we kind of did look at senior um, colleagues as well is uh, I've mentioned earlier around the fact that we're really trying to breed this culture of uh, digital working in, in government. And as well as the, the barrier I mentioned around social media, people really said to us that one of the big things that was stopping them being more digital was knowing it was okay to be more digital. 
uh, and they said that they looked to their senior colleagues to, um, th- uh, to show the behaviour that would be okay for them to adopt as well. So a lot of our behaviour change strategy was based on that top-down approach, at least initially, to show that there is, A, that appetite and desire from the top of the organisation to be more digital, and B, actually at working in in practice. And that uh, then led to um, more junior staff actually adopting those behaviours as well. Mm. Yeah, well, it, 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 it works both ways, doesn't it? And so do you feel that the if you like, the kind of ambitions for, Scot- for Scottish government digitally are, are different to the ambitions for government across the UK digitally? Or, or, or do you, have you set your own, if you like, discrete agenda on digital? To a degree, yes, although I think um, some of the ambitions are, you know, would be shared by any government who aspires to be um, a leader in digital. Now, we published our, um, the Scottish Government's digital strategy last year. It's available on our website. It's called Realising Scotland's Full Potential in a Digital World. And it kind of sets out plans for putting digital at the heart of everything we do. And that can be in supporting the economy, um, reforming public services, prepare children for the workplace of the future you know it, it it is really set in that context around how digital can be embedded in all the aspects of uh of public life um rather than being being an add-on and the tagline um for that strategy i think is important you know realizing our full potential because it recognizes the work that's gone on in scotland both within government within public sector but also uh, externally as well but at the same time shows in digital there's always new technologies and approaches to to pursue and that the vision in that strategy was one about you know stimulating innovation scotland is really trying to be a leader in digital innovation it's doing some fantastic stuff in its digital industries could you give me an example of where you feel that that in terms of digital innovation scotland's um, been making its mark yeah, I mean, look at where we're sat today, right in the heart of, of Edinburgh and just some of the organisations and companies nearby. We've got Codebase um, just around the corner. Codebase is the largest tech incubator in the UK and one of the fastest growing in Europe. Um, Edinburgh's BioQuarter, you know, that's a leading European destination for medical research, particularly in the fields of, uh, I think it's data analysis and, and, and informatics. We've got five minutes away, you're at Rockstar North, of course, Grand Theft Auto fame, um, Skyscanner, ten minutes away. There's a lot of companies choosing Edinburgh for, for, for good reason. It's not just Edinburgh, you know, that's happening across, um, across Scotland. In, in Glasgow, you've got a lot of the financial institutes with their major tech hubs. Dundee, Dundee's been known for the last few years as uh, kind of a world leader in, um, in, in games design. But there's also work going on more being led in government uh, and the, the the public sector. So, kind of some of the advances that's happening there. You've got the, the, the kind of the early days of mygov.scot. So, mygov.scot is beginning to provide a central point of access for for citizens and and transactional uh, services. Do it all all online. Scottish local authorities are making huge strides. Um, in digitizing local services, you know, I can I can pay my bills online. I can use my uh, phone. I used my phone this morning for my bus ticket. And then NHS Scotland uh, is doing a, a lot of amazing stuff in the, in the health sector. There's there's something called uh, Patient Track, 
um, that was, I think, developed last year or the year before. That's a, an electronic monitoring and uh, early warning system that's significantly reduced, reduced heart attacks. So there's a, there's a lot going on um, around, around Scotland on, on all fronts in terms of innovation. Mm. I mean, and when I think about the relationship that I've had and, and the digital workplace groups had with Scottish Government over the years, it, it, it strikes me that... As a government, you've always been thinking forward digitally and looking for where's the innovation. You were one of the first governments to kind of cotton on to this concept of the digital workplace as a sort of broader sphere of digital working beyond intranet and collaboration. And, and what, why is that? Is it, is it that there's been just a specific number of individuals within the government here who've just had that sort of sense of digital ambition or, or, or something kind of broader? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, there is the, the broad ambition in Scotland. You know, Scotland is ambitious in terms of what it's trying to do um, in digital innovation, but it's, it's not wholly contained by just a, a few individuals. You know, there's a sense of community, I think, in, in Scotland uh, and really that idea of partnership working and collaborative working. And that, that extends... Um, outside as well we've we've kind of really built up a strong culture of partnership working we've even called it something that's called the scottish approach to service design and that really is because we've seen that that collective action um to uh, to innovate has far more impact um if it involves uh, not just you know a, an organization working working in isolation and it's that kind of sense of community that's led to some of the um kind of innovative stuff i was talking about there, there's one um uh, kind of fantastic innovation that I did, you know, I did want to mention, and that's something called CivTech. Now, CivTech is something that uh, Scottish government launched a couple of years ago. Um, it's, it was the world's first cross-public sector tech accelerator, and it really kind of embodies that principle of uh, of community. You know, what it does, it brings together private sector innovation, the public sector, and citizens to develop better products and better services. You know, a fairly um, a fairly straightforward, straightforward goal. And how it works is a public sector organisation puts forward a challenge. Um, and that challenge can be absolutely anything. Could you give me an example? Yeah, the, the most recent round, um, war, there were a couple of challenges. One was how to combat bird of prey persecution. Another was how to track visitors to historic sites. You know, so very, very wide-ranging uh, challenges. And the great thing is, you don't begin to explain how you might want to solve that challenge. That's not the role for the, the public sector organisation. Their role is to state the challenge that they're struggling with and then let the creativity and innovation flow, um, flow from that. And what kind of happens with the, the whole process is um, the challenge is set, teams or individuals respond with a proposal for how digital can help solve it, candidates are whittled down and you're left with one solution provider per challenge and they're given a, a contract tends to be about three months to then take that idea through to to, to launch and um and deployment and the the civtech uh, 2.0 demo day was just last week there's still some great things on um on twitter you can you can find out about it and it's really interested to see how you know a very short accelerated program of work for, for three months is actually producing some fantastic things mm. So, I mean, I mean, obviously, one of the things that's now on everybody's radar 
um, particularly after various different things um, r- recently, um, you know, is the whole issue of cyber security, cyber resilience. And has that caused any kind of pause in this, if you like, digital ambition and digital evolution in Scotland? It has. I mean, it, the whole idea of um, security is at odds with what we're trying to do to be more transparent, accessible, um, working out loud. But you know, it's something that, of course, we have to address. It's very, very important and, to a degree, has to sit up there as the, as the priority. So, yes, it has paused. Um, certainly what we're trying to do internally around opening up our digital workplaces, our corporate systems, allowing people to log on remotely from wherever they are. And what, what, what was interesting is we have seen quite a shift um, in the, the last two, three years from one very much of... Um, you know, you, no, you can't do that because uh, security will, will, will stop you doing it. Through to, hmm, okay, maybe we'll start looking at how we can think about changing security principles. Into now, in the last maybe six months, there has been a big change away from um, no being the first answer to, yeah, okay, let's look at that. And there's always going to be that concern. Um, there's always going to be that, that worry of. of uh, uh, a cyber attack, or how to keep information information secure, but that's fine. And I think it's involving that part of the process in the discussions that you're you're having. You know, I think the two can work very much uh, alongside each other. And I think working alongside each other is the only way that we're going to be able to, or anyone's going to be able to, actually um, deliver a, the, the future. And if you think about creating this, um, if you like, sort of digital landscape externally in in Scotland and the initiatives that have happened and the programs and so on. What, what is the kind of behavior that you think the government itself needs to demonstrate and the, the, the way things work? You've talked about working out loud. Are there certain aspects? Because what you don't want to have is the external world, if you like, digitizes and internally we're still in some other era. Clearly you're not. But I'm just wondering what the characteristics of of being digital internally are for you? I think you need a government that kind of gets digital um, for a start. One that is willing to uh, invest and explore what, what benefits digital can actually bring to, the, to their um, organisation. For, for governments, I think, you know, it's, it's hard in that traditionally... Um, you would have thought, oh, okay, government isn't normally associated with innovation. You know, why not? Uh, I think that is beginning to, to change, and we're beginning to show that, you know, government can be a leader in this, in this um, field. The days of public sector trailing behind private sector innovation is to the most part gone, and more so in digital innovation. What is difficult, though, uh, and particularly for government, is securing investment, I think, in something like, something like digital when competing with um, new healthcare policies, building hospitals, education, early years learning. Um, and the trick is not to talk about digital in isolation. It's to help uh, colleagues, to help the organisation understand how digital can be embedded in process, can be embedded in policy to actually deliver much more improved um, improved outcomes. I'd also encourage um, you not to go alone. You know, I, I mentioned that sense of community in Scotland and that partnership working. 
you know, create partnerships and facilitate innovation by tapping into that um, talent that may exist elsewhere in the public sector, or why does it have to be limited to the public sector? Do it in the private sector as well. To be a digital leader, you don't have to be a digital expert yourself. You know, look for the, the opportunities that, that are there. Think about the small changes you can make within um, organizations with, at very little cost. You know, run digital awareness sessions for staff. Uh, begin to uh, build up a community of digital not digital experts necessarily, but digital savvy individuals who like putting themselves forward, who get digital, who want to help others um, to, to do it. And just involve staff in, the, in, the, in any kind of digital transformation programs that you have, you know, showing them that you are actually looking to improve that whole staff experience of work for them um, with the right digital tools, with any training needs that they need, with that support, with that showing them that it's okay to work out loud, that it's okay to be tweeting about the work that you're doing uh, and the benefits benefits of it so some some kind of i suppose hints and tips that um, other organizations mm. may, may want it, to think it, about. it's tricky isn't it because i mean i know there was an initiative and i think it's still happening you know between google and uh, a major hospital in north london the royal free hospital and they were taking this as a pilot to take all the patient records and i don't know the details of it but to digitize it now, this is providing, apparently, great value, both for the hospital and for patients, but also it sets off a whole set of alarm bells when, you know, Google are capturing all of the data on all the patients and all the history of it. And it's, it's in terms of partnership, you sort of want to take the partnerships where they're useful, but you also don't want the government to be somehow you know, kind of taken over by the large technology firms. I suppose it's this, this whole nation of big data, isn't it, that we want to be uh, having transparent information and to make that available to all. But at the same time, you need to be aware of the risks, and it's, it's a balance. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a balance of risk that we take every day when we're beginning to look at some of the advantages of moving to cloud-based um, environment, you know, there'd be, be huge benefits for the digital workplace to have uh, that bring your own device uh, concept to be able to actually work from anywhere and have access to the same tools and have the same information that you do when you're sitting uh, within a secure environment. And, you know, if an organization is, is happy to take that risk, fantastic, but it needs to do so with, with its eyes open. And I think each organization will, will be different. And it's when I don't think a one-size-fits-all is, is, is necessarily the way to go. I think you look to see what information, what tools um, you're happy being, being hosted, I suppose, um, elsewhere, and which maybe need to be kept closer to heart. Mm. And when you're thinking about um, Digital Scotland, um, and, and I'm just thinking about the, you know, we talked about the fact that your mum and dad live in the Shetlands. <laughs> we now, did. I'm not sure how long it takes to get from here to the Shetlands. Depends. Do you want to go by boat or air? Driving, driving. <laughs> driving. Well, you can't drive. Okay. Well, but no, I mean, you can drive a certain dr- well. Drive to Aberdeen. Two hours to Aberdeen, and then the overnight um, ferry gets into Lorick at 7 o'clock in the morning. It's a long, it's it's a long, long, long journey. Way. So I'm thinking about the fact that, you know, is there some advantage to um, a digital agenda in a, in a country where there's a lot of physical distance and therefore need to connect. Because, I mean, one of the things that comes into my mind 
the Digital Nations Group, which Scottish Government are, are members of. The idea of that came to me when we were leaving New Zealand a couple of years ago, and I was thinking about the distance that New Zealand is from all the other countries around it. And so what you would want to do if you're New Zealand, in my mind, is you'd want to digitise as much as possible, almost to kind of collapse the, the distance. And I just wonder whether um, the kind of physical distances in Scotland and the you know, population density and, and, and lack of it in some places has been part of this. I think it's the, the connectivity um, and kind of infrastructure that's taking um, some time to get up to speed in Scotland. If you look back in, how far are we going back, maybe five, six years, one of our first um, kind of digital strategies in Scotland, it was all about connectivity and rural broadband, about how we can get businesses, how we can get every household in Scotland suitable broadband and at a speed that, that, that kind of works. And it, that's, all, that's been an agenda for a number of years. It's still going. We've made massive um, advances, uh, advances since. But the the kind of the, the spread of populace in Scotland does, of course, make it difficult. But then that's where I think we have a role, um, particularly, I mean, if you look at government, government has offices all over Scotland. It's got offices in Larwick, it's got offices in the West Coast, it's got offices in the Western Isles. Places that are not easy to get to, um, places that may have slow um, connections. And that's where this idea of um, kind of a, a digital workplace that provides as good an experience um, for someone regardless of where you are is, is so important. You know, a lot of people often say, uh, okay, a central belt in Scotland, you know, you've got your, your, your big office, for government, your big offices in Edinburgh, you've got your big offices in Glasgow, but then you've got all these other area offices. Why, why is all the big changes always happening to the, the central belt? And that, digital doesn't need to be like that because digital is something that is available online. It, it's something that everyone should feel part of that everyone can contribute to and everyone can have the same experience um, where you're at. So that, that's been something kind of big on our minds um, as we've been developing what, what we're doing. Well, I, I think it's one of the most sort of exciting parts of this digital renaissance or revolution that we're in is that it, it really, so long as you have equivalent access irrespective of, of your um, level of wealth, um, you can create a equality of access for people. So there's no reason that if you're in the most remote part of Scotland, you shouldn't have the same access to services, certainly at a government and other level, than if you're in the centre of Edinburgh. Uh, and I think the same, you know, we're hearing multiple different stories from the Middle East, from sub-Saharan Africa, where this digital platform provides a kind of equality of access that we've not seen before. And that, that's what, we, what we're trying to do on kind of the public engagement side of it as well. You know, we moved all our consultation online to improve the accessibility of being able to have your say in government decisions. You know, it, it doesn't matter where you are in the country. If you have basic uh, access to digital services, then you can have your say, you can contribute, you can use social media to get in touch with the government. And we're, we're really trying to open up the number of ways, Think, thinking as well about the non-digital. You know, we always appreciate that we need to, although we're a digital-first organisation, we can't not forget about um, those who, who choose not to, um, to communicate digitally, nor, nor, nor should we. But one of the major benefits of uh, moving services online, moving uh, how to get in touch with the government online, is it opens it up to anyone who wants to, to contribute to the conversation. 
Mm, absolutely. And um, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to record this um, episode was that I've seen so much, and you've talked about it, Ken, the, the level of innovation and ambition in Scotland and among, in Scottish government digitally. But when we think of the sort of digital nations and pioneers, you know, we always think of Finland, Singapore, Estonia. We, we don't think of Scotland. And it occurs to me there's an awful lot going on here that really ought to put Scotland more on the map digitally, but why hasn't it been? I think because, um, you know, Scots have a hard time singing their own praises. We're very proud of our successes and can throw a great party, but we don't like talking about it. You know, we kind of, we shy away from the limelight uh, and it's, it's a very Scottish thing. And I think we, we do absolutely deserve to be, you know, up there amongst the kind of the nations who are uh, setting the kind of digital innovation agenda. But we may just uh, take, take a longer time actually coming and telling you all about it. Mm. So it's just in Scottish character, but you know, I think so. ho- hopefully this will help put that on the, uh, on the map. And, I mean, did anything change in terms of digital ambition after the um, independence referendum? Because there was so much engagement um, in young people in Scotland and obviously the fact that any, anybody over 16 could vote... And I just wonder whether there was any sort of lasting effects of that digitally. I don't think so as such. I mean, you know, the, the ambition for Scotland around digital has always, been, has always been big. You know, three years before the referendum, we were already speaking about the strengths in, in uh, Scotland and digital technology. We also knew then um, that coordinated action was the way to go, that that sense of community and partnership working Back then, I suppose our digital ambition—I mentioned it was around the kind of the, the connectivity side of it. Let's get everyone up to um, up to speed in terms of having infrastructure and access. But but where we are now, you know, six years I suppose from from that kind of first digital strategy was we're not just talking about the infrastructure now. We're talking about startups and incubators. We're talking about skills development, early years learning, user-driven design, democratic participation. That's kind of far far bigger and. But I think that's more to do with the fact that six years is a long time in digital, you know, rather than any, any consequence of, of, uh, of the referendum. But what we did see change in and around the independence referendum was, was something a bit different. It was, you know, everyone, everyone the world over was talking about the yes or no question. You know, it divided the nation, consumed, I imagine, many a dinner table conversation. And that spilled over, um, that kind of interest spilled over into online conversation um, as well. And what we found... Um, was particularly amongst young people, was every post or tweet that government made about our stance or our position or our policy. Um, you know, it could be on, could be on anything: economy, defence, immigration. It didn't matter. But a whole new breed of conversation kicked off on the back of that. You know, people would pick that up. They would be um, sharing online. They'd be having their own spin-off conversations. That would be engaging with other partners uh, all over the all over the world. And that and the discussion would still be going on. You know, long after we started it, it was there was beginning to be a massive appetite um, for online participation in uh, government government policy making. And social media had kind of for us had come of age at that point, it had become that tool um, that was very, very useful for gauging public opinion uh, and been engaging on, on, a, on a mass scale. It's almost like the working out loud concept, which is seen to be an, an internal digital workplace idea, is almost becoming a kind of a broader idea. It's almost like society out loud. 
you know, things are happening in the public realm in a way that was really impossible. Exactly, and I, I don't think we're that far away from those two sides even coming closer together. You know, why should there be internal working out loud and then we decide what should be shared externally and then have another conversation out there? We're, we're almost getting to the point where your internal working out loud conversations are spilling over into the other side and, and you know, you can't imagine it being too far off where conversations are just happening right right out there yeah the i mean and, it, and it's a sign of, of of a healthy democracy isn't it is is if people are able to have you know civilized conversations out loud in the public domain and that that's completely legitimate and acceptable and um you know the importance of understanding and listening to alternative points of view I mean, certainly across the UK, you know, just as, as, as you've experienced here after, with the referendum and, you know, subsequent to Brexit, you know, there's still a national debate going on um, and quite a lot of it's still quite civilised. There's a whole side of it that shouts louder than everybody else where it isn't, but, but there's a certain level which is just different points of view. There is, and that, you know, that's healthy, I think, to have. Yes, you're always going to get... Um, difficult posts being made in, in very much a, a, a public field. But um, I think overall, you kind of see, you see through that and you, you do get value from the conversations that, that are happening. You know, thinking forward over the next five years, um, what are your ambitions in terms of digital Scotland, whether it's within the workings of Scottish government internally or across all the citizens of Scotland? I suppose, yeah, there, there are two um, kind of aspects to that. There is Digital Scotland outward-facing and, and digital, um, uh, digital Scottish Government, some of the more inside work. The, on the outside, on the outward-facing work, I suppose, um, you know, it's, it's hard to foresee where we're going. So what is kind of set out in the, the strategy for the next few years is um, the fact that any strategy created at a point in time cannot hope to provide all the answers. You know, you know, kind of, if we look back five years ago, we're in an entirely different place to, to, to where we were then. So I have no idea where digital is going, but all we can do really, I think, is to prepare for that and prepare to be able to anticipate and react to whatever comes on, you know, and that includes building a government that gets digital, you know, whose, whose, uh, whose staff um, have digital capability, who have digital behaviour, who can understand the, the benefits they need to bring to the table, setting up that sense of partnership again, you know, keeping on top of what's going on and be able, able to react to, to what's coming on, on, on down the line. I mentioned a lot of the uh, innovation that's already happened um, in the last few years. That's going to keep on growing. You know, the, I think it's very much the time of, of startups and, and incubators to, to deliver some pretty amazing stuff. More I suppose internally, in terms of, uh, if you would ask me the question, what is the Scottish government's uh, strategy for the digital workplace? Um, you know, there is that's beginning to come together. One one of the things that uh, I've been um, kind of more over of, of the past few months is where where are we heading with that? Um, you know, we've got some pretty big programmes underway anyway, but to date they've they've largely been running um, to their own their own agendas, running in a bit more kind of siloed working. You have, you have the work that um, I'm looking after around the digital communication side of it. 
Um, you then have the work that to date has been run from our digital department around the corporate services, you know, so the, the systems, the, H, the EHR systems, the, um, the other um, corporate tools. You have the physical estate um, of government that's going through some big changes. You have the new accommodation to uh, you know, pr- pr- uh, promote more collaborative working, more shared working environments. And the, at the minute, a lot of what, what I'm trying to do is bring those together. You know, we, we talk about this holistic experience of work, this holistic workplace, and I think that's absolutely right. You can't have a digital workplace without all of the other components coming together. And uh, underlining all of that is this cultural side of this, this behaviour side. This is, this is the... The, the policies that you know promote flexible working, um, that promote you working from um, from other uh, buildings or working from home maybe or, um, or things like that, and it's it's about bringing all of that together I think into a uh, a program of work that may not have a clear. Um, easily defined outcome because as I said in a few years time who knows what it's going to do but actually having the capacity to react um, quite uh, quite quickly to um, to deal with whatever's thrown in our way and as we get towards the the, the, the end um, what's what's your advice to other governments when tackling the challenge this challenging topic of, of digital innovation because um, you know there are 196 countries in the world I mean, not everyone is a digital evangelist. And uh, what, what would you be? What would your advice be to a, a government that feels that they're some way behind where you are here? Where, where, what should they do? I suppose it was this kind of that point I was making around: don't go it alone. You know, you don't need to be a digital expert yourself to be able to lead digital innovation. You know, if you don't have partnerships yet with public-private sector organisations who do get digital, make them go out, find out who they are, see what the opportunities are to to work closer together. Some of the very short accelerator programmes we've done, I mentioned CivTech. You know. Set, see if you can set something up like that. Make make small, fast-paced change to show um, how uh, approaches like that 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 can work. Um, think about the small changes you can make internally. Um, you know, build up that staff community of digital practitioners yourselves who can then help others in your organisation do so. Uh, begin to ask the questions um, of of your own organisation in terms of what. What is it that um, we can't? Where, what is it we can't yet do? Where digital will actually help us help us get there? Look for the opportunities that digital can um, can bring to you know other corporate priorities, and really try and get that that on the agenda. Um, and involve your own staff. You know, involve people in the in your um, own uh, program of transformation. Chances are, you'll find willing volunteers who are only just looking to put forward their ideas. Um, but the problem you'll have is that if they put forward their ideas, make sure you're going to capitalise on that because uh, if you don't, that's even worse than trying. That's great. And um, so there's a question I sometimes like to end with, which is, <laughs> so what, what's, you know, we've been talking about what's been happening in Scotland and the, you know, really fascinating stories of, of the achievements of the Scottish Government. So what, what's, a, what's a perfect working day for you, Ken. Perfect working day. Is, is there such things as a perfect working day? I suppose the problem I would have for the perfect working day is um, no matter how much I plan for one, something's going to come along and derail it over the course of the day. But uh, I'll, I'll try. Um, perfect working day, let's think, probably switching into work mode about 8 o'clock in the morning, I think. Not too early, not too late. 
doesn't have to be in the office. Ideally, I think, being out and about, not in the office. I tend to find myself um, more and more of the time now not actually sitting at my desk. It's, it's lying empty, or at the times I do turn up, someone's sitting in the desk anyway. First off would be, let's have a quick scan of overnight Twitter, see what's, what people have been, been talking about, and then hopefully a, kind of a select all delete of my inbox. You know, I'm, I'm finding that uh, I'm getting fewer and fewer emails every day. And uh, I like to think that's uh, in part, at least related to the work we're doing around reducing email traffic in the office, you know, using Yammer much more um, and uh, really trying to, to streamline process so I don't have to be copied into everything that, that's, that's kind of going back and forth. Um, that would take care of a few hours in the morning. rest of the morning, I think being out and about, maybe spent, in, uh, spent with one of the um, you know, startups maybe, to see how uh, they're approaching some challenging, meaty, meaty topic and having to speak to them about how they're, using, um, how they're using digital. After lunch, let's do some Yammer time. You know, keep uh, a pulse, see what the pulse of the organization is, what are people chatting about, what are some of the, the bugbears that we can maybe help people, help people address, see what the team are doing around uh, what the latest features are coming down the line for the digital workplace roadmap. You know, we use Yammer a lot. Um, a lot for that. We've built up a great community. Um, where are we at? We're maybe at 2 o'clock at the minute, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Wow, you get a All lot right, done. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. Let's go into... It's a busy day. It's a busy day in government. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe then a, a short uh, little UX workshop or something. You know, we're uh, at the minute uh, developing a lot of new tools um, uh, for the, the digital workplace. And, of course, very important to that is seeing how, they, um, how people react to them and getting them to actually come in and, and really help us make them as best, best they can do. Um, then I possibly couldn't finish the day without a kind of a catch-up with yourself, Paul, or one of the DWG team <laughs> um, towards the end of the day. Tools down, 5 o'clock, out the door, um, into the biting Edinburgh wind rain or today's snow and and cycling home and ideally cycling home. ideally cycling ideally home. yeah that's that's fantastic and and um sounds like a great day and one of the things that strikes me listening to that there's quite a lot of um what i'll call just temperature checking of where things are up to but also to use the the sort of um jargon there's quite a bit of nudge behavior where you're trying to use your role and your position in scottish government to you know if you like just nudge things in in different directions and i think that's probably the most important part of my role just now you know you've got pockets of change happening um and you've got pockets of uh, fairly great digital stuff happening um what needs what that needs is some kind of gel to hold it together and i do see my role at the minute as dropping into conversations um going along and just being the um kind of the person in the room who is linking different parts parts together you know and that's only because there's there's so much going on and people are focusing really much on on delivering great great stuff but um it's often hard to um you kind of raise your head from the desk and see what other initiatives are actually going on and there's massive potential for um, I'm going to say it again community collaboration you know get that sorted and uh, you can do great stuff great well thank you so much Ken for being so open and for talking and telling us all the story of uh, (laughs) what you've been doing and it's been fascinating and, and, and thank you so much thank you all right Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions 
to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. If you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com and thank you for listening.